Hey, rom-com listeners, rom-com fans, rom-com gents, people. What do we call you? If you listen to our podcast, is, what, is there a special name? Are you? I, I just feel like there should be something more interesting than listener. Uh, it just feels wrong. I don't want to call you just a listener, but whoever you are, if you're listening to this, um, just a little disclaimer for this week. Uh, Kelly had a, a gig to go to. Um, sometimes he has to go off site and leave Portland to work on some film shoots. So this week he had to, ironically enough, uh, he had to work a ship. He had to work on work on this ship uh, for the, the project that he was doing. So he couldn't bring his microphone with him because, um, you know, he, he, it was very limited, um, storage for all that stuff. So he just had his laptop. So, um, bear with us with the technical sound. It's going to sound like he's talking over laptop, but we still get to hear his beautiful voice. Um, and you know, it's our special 100th episode. So thanks for listening. And without further ado, I present to you Titanic near far wherever you are i believe that my farts will go on that's how we sing it in elementary school what did you sing in elementary school um the way we would do it is every night in my dreams my wet dreams (laughs) Ha ha! I don't know. We didn't have any elementary school like adaptations of Celine Dion songs, well, but I'm well, I, I'm sure there were. I, I probably just wasn't cool enough to know. What them. was your cultural awareness when Titanic dropped in '97? Well, I knew that the Beatles and the Beach Boys were both bands. Um, I was I was like really coming out of the Raffi phase and in 1997. No. Um, <laughs> But I'm back I'm, into the Raffi phase right I'm, now. I'm knee deep in Raffi music and I love it. Me too. I love it. Um, thanks a lot is like what we put our baby to sleep with. That's um, that's a good one. That's a really maybe, good one. Do you think we should do any Celine Dion? Is, is Raffi no. just too much? No. Celine Dion will terrify your child. I think she will. Um Let's see. What, what you said? What was my cultural awareness? Yeah, like in 1997, I feel like this movie was everywhere. It was all the things. Oh, you mean all, what, what was my all, cultural awareness of this film in particular? In, in when it came out, like I I have a lot of rem- memories of this movie coming out, and I have a lot of memories of what pop culture was like yeah, in it. And I remember it. All the girls wanted to play Titanic in recess, and all the boys thought girls were dumb. And yeah, whoa, play uh, probably there were probably I don't remember that, but I do. So I did see this movie in like the smallest theater in Colville, Washington, which is near where my grandparents lived, and my mom or dad or maybe both i can't remember did cover my eyes during the paint the boobs the yeah the boob scene Mm -hmm. um but i what i remember most is i carpooled to school and the mom that was driving me and the two girls i carpooled with got into this big debate with the children about whether titanic was appropriate for children i just had this argument with my wife (laughs) <laughs> oh really? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I I can only remember that I said, "Man, I really like that movie," and she said, "Children sh- shouldn't see things that are in that movie." And I was like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, man!" And then the uh, like that her daughters were like, "Yay, Titanic! Titanic! Mom, take us to say Titan- Titanic!" And then my mom's like, "This car will be the Titanic if if." And 
it <laughs> went on from there. Um, oh my! But what what would what was your, your your experience with your wife? Oh, she was just like under no circumstances should a child under a thirteen should watch this. I'm like, it's not that bad. <laughs> and I saw I watched, it when I was nine, I think nine or ten. Yeah, I was yeah, fine. I I I watched it this week, obviously, because mm-hmm. that was my homework. Wait, were you trying to show Theo? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, there are way worse things in a lot of other movies that are also rated PG-13. And there are a lot more appropriate movies that are rated R that children would be totally safe to see. I, and- would, I would argue that like the prequels might be scarier than this film, like the Star Wars prequels, especially the third yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. That's you know a good I mean? point. Yeah, I want you to have this argument with my wife, and I just want to sit and I want to eat caramel popcorn. <laughs> I will not do this. <laughs> um, uh, mainly because I I like when your wife likes me, and I hate when she's mad at me for arguing with her. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. She's got to like one of us. She might as well like you. Yeah, thank God. I hope she doesn't listen to this one either. <laughs> she going to listen this, to this, this one. This becomes a running joke where I don't I don't want Sarah to listen to certain episodes and you don't want her to listen to others. <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to state for the record, it depends on the kid. A yeah. movie is appropriate mm-hmm. depending on the kid. I think to answer your question from earlier, like how culturally relevant did, did I know that this movie was – it was everywhere. You like, I feel like we didn't stop talking about Titanic for like nine or 10 months that year. Yeah. Yeah. And that Celine Dion song, they took a syringe and shoved it in your ear and squeezed. It was on kiss 98.1, um, adults, contemporary hits, Mm -hmm. soft rock from the late eighties and nineties for, it's probably still there. <laughs> it's still on. It's on right now. But yeah, it was everywhere. And if you if you weren't there, like human beings listening to this from the age group of zero to twenty six, if if you weren't alive then, it like the that's cult- weird. There are people who are 22, 23, 24 years old. They have no idea. They did I, not go through this. I, I want to find a comp from like today where it was like. This is akin to how bonkers nothing, Titanic. Is. Nothing comes close. Like think, I'm thinking of like thinking, individual elements, like Leo DiCaprio, the the mm. the like blazing star that he became because of this movie, and like Timothy Chalamet is like five percent of what Leo's like stardom was. It was like yeah, and it's it's that's not Timothy Chalamet's fault, but like Leo was not only so attractive, but like. He, he is presented to us as heartthrob in a way that Timothy Chalamet is for some people, is for English majors, but beyond that... Has proven his mettle as an actor. For we sure. Call Me By Your Name and Dune, and with Leo, we had this one-two punch of Romeo plus Juliet equals sad and Titanic. So we we got, like, he proved And, and he this proved was his after metal. What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, you yeah, know. and and after growing pains. Oh yeah, good stuff. And growing growing pains. pains. Um, I I think what this is, this is like if Avengers Endgame was a love story, and yeah. and you got to fall in love with somebody during that movie. Like I I could care less really about Avengers Endgame. It's fine, whatever. But yeah. like 
as far as a cultural touchstone, I feel like everybody was talking about Endgame in a way where everybody was talking about this, but you didn't, you weren't like falling in love with Spider-Man during that movie and like, oh my God, no, don't die. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. When Tony Stark died, it hurt, I guess, but not in the way when Leo died. Right. Yeah. Um, well, before we get into a story, do you have a game for me? I do. It's um, called This Game is a lot quicker than the Titanic sinking. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and a lot shorter than this movie. It's one question. Oh, okay. There are two sister ships made um, that were made at the same time as the Titanic because they were like, it's cheaper to make ships in, you know, bunches, basically. And so why don't we make a couple more? They were just a smidge smaller than Titanic until Titanic uh-huh. sank, and then they were a uh-huh. lot, a lot longer. I am going to give you five guesses at what those ships' names were. Was one of them the Mauritania? No, good guess, though. Oh. Was it the other one, the Lithuania? No, I, you're in the right ballpark. Oh, okay. Was it the Transsexylvania? Not a thing, but go ahead. <laughs> no, wait, where's uh, where's Tim Curry from? Oh, <laughs> in uh, trans- Rocky Horror? Tr- I think Transsexylvania. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I was going for. Is it that? No, it's not that. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. I just imagine a big ship with that, Tim Curry's face with the lips. I that ship would be a mm. lot more fun, though. That, I, that's the cruise that I want to go <laughs> that's, on. That's the one where they really get rid of the, like, a bo- you know, the, the class system. And they're mm-hmm. like, it's a party everywhere. Speaking of, rest in peace, Meatloaf. We love you. Rest in peace. You have two more guesses. Um, all right. Um, okay, okay, okay. I was in the right ballpark. Oh, I'm going to give you a hint. It's also not Hotel Transylvania 4 brought to you by Amazon. Uh, Nia, Nia. Not the Nia, not the Pinta, not the Santa Maria. We can just take all of those out of the equation. I'll also give you a hint. One ends in an IC. Okay. Ends in I. Oh, okay. Actually, no, they both end in IC. Oh, okay. How about the. How about uh, a little Star Wars inspiration? How about the Grand Republic? No, one more guess to get, and you have to guess both of them <laughs> with this one. So I don't oh, know how okay. the math works out, but go okay. ahead. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Is it the super terrific? <laughs> no, Dad. No, it's not. Um, they were the Olympic Damn. And, the, and the Britannic. The not, Britannic. Yeah, not the not the encyclopedia we all know and love. But when the was the when was the Mauritania built? I mean, which which one is that? I think that was the second to biggest ti- ship to Titanic. Oh, yeah. That's the one that uh, Cal references. Yeah. Um, oh, no, no. Yeah. Rose is like, that Mortania is just as big. And Cal's like, fuck the Mortania. <laughs> um, 1906. 1906. Well, there's your fun fact about both of those ships. <laughs> um, boats. <laughs> Ryan, you know you- who likes boats? James freaking Cameron. <laughs> Let's get let's get to the story that Mr. Cameron wanted wanted us to be talking about. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love. 
probably called me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Titanic is about not Bill Pullman, but your best friend Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton? Is basically Indiana Jones of the sea. He's, he's like he's like the Titanic went down and it was like game over, man. Game, game over. over. And can I just say the first the frame story to this movie? I forgot it existed. I mean, I kind of remember it existed, <laughs> but you didn't remember how 1990s it was. I didn't remember there was so much to it, and it, I, I shouldn't be surprised because the movie's over three hours long. How many nights did it take you to watch it? <laughs> It took us uh, three. Uh, well, it took two nights. And then because I had to rent this on Amazon a morning because they'll only let you rent it for 48 hours. And so we're like, that is like, that is, can I, can I just say there needs to be like a parental rental system, parental rental. I love where, it. Where we get a break because it, it's harder for us to watch things. Yeah, indeed. And Titanic is not the kind of movie I want to own outright because it's not like, a thing I'll be going to. It's not a well that I want to return to often. Imagine the hellscape of watching something like Gone with the Wind that is five hours long. Right. And trying to watch that within a week or something. Right. You well, just have to have an exemption form that just says, I'm a parent. Sorry, I can't come into work today. I was tasked with watching a movie. Oh, oh, I get it. Oh, no, oh. That's going to be tough if you work. So we got good old Bill Paxton. They're in a submarine. and Bill Paxton's pretty... basically pay, playing James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's hunting for treasure down in the Titanic. And these submarine scenes are awesome. Yeah, they're really cool. And... Like his relationship with the guy who like drives this, the submersible. Love it. Uh, yeah. It, it feels like a, a real <laughs> relationship when he's like, come on, get in there. He's like, I am, I am. So, shut up. Get out of here. Yeah. I love it. I love but it. They, they, they're like searching through the Titanic. It's modern day and they're looking for something. And what do they find? Something. They find something. They find, they find a safe, which I guess in like, Treasure hunting is probably a good thing. I mean, as I say these words out of my mouth, I feel like there's a Dora the Explorer that says, duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I think safes are generally good. Safes are the modern day treasure chests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he brings it up to the boat, which is some Russian boat for some reason. He is collaborating with the Russians um, to help him. Well, yeah. Remember, this is the 90s. This is when, like, the Russians were no longer the bad guys. We were working together. Hey, so, sorry for the interruption. Uh, you guys have all been so good while I've been recording on this boat for just hanging in there with the low quality. Um, but uh, I got knocked overboard. Uh, luckily, uh, I, I was wearing my, my waterproof backpack that had my laptop in it. So now that I've landed on this... Um, this island out here that is deserted except for a local coffee chain um, that has Wi-Fi. I uh, so I'm gonna try to reconnect with Ryan, and uh, we'll make we'll make it seamless in post, so it'll seem like we were just, you know, moving on to the next topic or whatever. But um, rest assured, I am okay. Um, I, the barista has assured me that um, every week or so. A, a boat will come by to um, refill 
like all their supplies and, and stuff like that. So um, for now, I'm here. And let's get back to the show. They open up the treasure chest that is a safe. And they're like, sweet, sweet, sweet. Where is it? And they but, don't find the thing they're looking for. Yeah, the, the thing being like, you know, real treasure. But yeah. instead they find all these drawings, art. <laughs> Who, <laughs> Who wants that? Especially old soggy art. I bet Ugh. it smells like farts. Yeah, that's why it's called My Fart Will my Go fart On. My fart will go on this farty paper. That's where I'll <laughs> fart from now on. So there's a big interview on television. They're like, hey, why are you grave robbing the Titanic, Bill Paxton? He's like, we're being very Indiana Jones about this. We're going to put this all in a museum. He, yeah, he's like, It'll, it's going to be archived. Don't worry. I'll just steal the diamonds. It'll it's be fine. fine. That will belong to me. You get the artsy fartsy where, stuff. Where do you land on, like, let's say, you know, the, the the Titanic hasn't been discovered, but somebody's like, ah, I found the Titanic. I want to bring a bunch of stuff up from it. Are you like, no, let it lie? Or are you like, no, sure, whatever. It's it's stuff. To the victor goes the spoils. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, it's not a tomb. I mean, it is a tomb in a way, but it's not like a sacred place where you're like, I'm janking this stuff from a culture that still exists. Right? Yeah, you should only disrupt it if it's got precious minerals that can be used for batteries in Tesla cars. Only then can you disrupt holy cities. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, now, like who who should see it? But a lady who's, who, who wishes Patrick Swayze's ghost was behind her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, She's throwing pots and then she throws caution into the wind and decides to stand on her old legs and (laughs) walks to the the other room and is like, hey, that's me. Those are my boobs in that picture. (laughs) (laughs) Because she sees the the paintings that he found. And so if these boobs belong to anyone, please call. <laughs> lost if found reward. Um I think those boobs were probably lost probably 30 years after they were um they were taken Sorry, 100-year-old lady Rose person. Um, Rose Dawson. Rose Dawson. Yes. Is her um, name is what we're told her name is. And you know, every like she calls the boat, everybody on the boat's like, "Ah, it, it couldn't she couldn't be on the Titanic. She'd be way too old." And also there's nobody by her name like on the manifest. So the plot thickens a little bit. Um, and then she shows up and there's some good scenes where they're like cleaning off like, you know, f- photos and they're, she's like kind of getting them into the story. And- I love, I love, I love when the technician breaks down how the Titanic sang and he's like, yeah. and then her big ass is just hanging out right that. Boop, boop, and then boom, she breaks and Rose just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, sir. I, I'm so glad you took the tact class in college and, you know, along with your engineering class. Thank you for going over that. And I can't help but think in a hundred years, this is morbid, but I, in a hundred years, people will look at 9-11 and just be like, this is what happened. And it, it won't, they won't have that trauma with them. Like we all have that collective trauma, but they're going to just talk about like the structural of the thing. And they're not going to have the tact that you would want when talking to Rose about it. I mean, I think the the equivalent that you just kind of brought up is, I mean, akin but different to like something like Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Where there's still like, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Revenants? No, that's not it. Um, Relevance? Where you revere something. Reverence? Yeah. Reverence, yeah. Um, 
for an act, but it, it feels so academic because it's so historical. Right. And, and I think that's the, the only one of the only good points that the bookends makes of this is that separating yourself so far from history oftentimes like makes it devoid of life because that's kind of the nature of things. Yeah. But for those who did live it, obviously it's, you know, even if time has diluted some of the feelings, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about when I'm reading like old, <laughs> sorry, old people who are dead, but when you're reading like classic authors, describe things like 19th century authors describing the horrors and the tragedies of the civil war. And you're like, I know I read about this in school and you don't like get to sit with their trauma of it because if you lived in America during the civil war, I'm sure it was very traumatic as opposed to now when we're reading about it, you're like, yes, yes, yes. You know, all these things happen, whatever. And like, we don't have, and we just aren't dignifying the tragedies because we would never be able to get on with life because history is just full of tragedies. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard to empathize a hundred percent with the past, which is why, like, I think it, it's good or was good when, um, like, did your, did your high school ever have like a Holocaust survivor come speak? No, but that would be quite a story to hear. Yeah. That was, that was huge at our school. Like, um, one came and spoke, I think my, my junior year and, um, like kind of told their story and like did an educational, you know, Q and a, and like that stuck with me throughout the rest of my life because it yeah. was just, it was such a, everything is so more, much more like visceral and real when it comes from the lips of somebody who was there. So, yeah. 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 And so that's but, the point of this movie is well not necessarily a point because um spoiler alert old rose is played by an actor rose is not real wait what (laughs) but we do get her story and i didn't research i didn't research i didn't research this i don't know quite how accurate everything is but i'm guessing james cameron did a shit ton of research anyways yeah and you know what? This isn't the podcast for that. We don't have time for that. We we already told you about the other boat names. Like that's basically as historical as we're going to get. <laughs> but in as this I understand episode. it, as I understand it, most of the figures in this movie are real, except for the melodramatic characters. Yes, like you know, you have John Astor there, and um, like the captain, and like all of the um, like the engineer who made it. Um, you know, th- those are all real characters, and some of their like most of their actions are you know supposed. Yeah, um, right. Or, or come from firsthand accounts because there are some people that survived um, that were like um, like that one guy with the mustache. He survived. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, there's there's some crazy things where characters did very specific actions. I'm like, I wonder if there was like an eyewitness account of like, oh no, I saw I saw Jane, John Jacob Astor as I was leaving, and he he wasn't taking it seriously. I saw him order a brandy or something like that. I'm sh- <laughs> like, it felt like Man. there was some things that were specific. John Astor's face when the water is rushing to He's him. Like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Not my brandy. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're getting ahead of ourselves. There's an iceberg. Don't worry about it. Wait, wait, wait. Don't, everybody lives. It's fine. <laughs> um, so what what happens is she brings us back to the Titanic. And, and, it's, and it's her testimony. Yes. And 
I we actually we don't even meet her and like her younger self. Oh yeah, we do. We meet her first. Yeah. So she's like this young hot Kate Winslet hot thing. Kate Winslet thing. And uh, her her name is Rose what a DeWitt at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she is on the beck and call of both her mother and Cal. Played her, by her Billy Zane. Corkett Zane. Billy Zane, who uh could you find anything about his his eyeliner in this movie? Yes, he has his own line of guy liner. It's called Zane's Lanes, and you can get it for four ninety five at your local Target. <laughs> so no, I guess the answer. <laughs> um, uh, he he has this eyeliner that like I I really wanted to know if that was a style of the time or if it was you know just a, a choice for this movie. I don't know because if you look at silent movies, there's obviously heavy makeup for men and women alike but it's it's felt kind of just early 20th century look you know yeah it did it really felt and and it gives him kind of a like a roguish but dark appeal to him yes by the way robin and i found a bunch of articles that were um cal apologists (laughs) yeah so we'll 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 talk about that later (laughs) um but but alongside uh, welcome to unpopular opinion magazine we are <laughs> written and read by incels morons and idiots <laughs> we um well uh, we'll get there so rose rose and cal like their cal is obviously super rich and we get that they're engaged and they board the boat and he's like paying people off and you can tell that this guy is kind of a jerk and a bore and, a, and he's a rich bitch Right? Yeah, he's a rich he's not, bitch. He's not a villain yet, though. No, he's he, just. I, <laughs> yeah, he's like, um, please, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you. I don't need to walk with these. He's peons. very Gaston. He's very and Gaston. We, we kind of get that he's like, uh, a, he's basically almost a billionaire, like yeah. equivalent of the age. Um, and so they're boarding and stuff, and you know, um, it's just gorgeous. Like the James Cameron shots of this, there there are some shots where it's like, yeah, those are CG people walking around, but there's others where I I I know how he did it, and I still don't know how he did it. What's crazy is this came out before the Phantom Menace, which for me is the demarcation of when we switched from like making movies physically to making movies digitally. And like Mm -hmm. for me, the Phantom Menace was like the first big one where it's like, okay, everything changed. But Titanic really should be considered that because the the only way to get so much of what they filmed had to be done with CGI. And it is top of the line CGI because nothing. The only thing that has been that CGI E was Jurassic Park. And that wasn't anything physical locations. It was just the dinosaurs. This is the and, first and time. And not the whole, in broad sunlight. Yeah. This was. Well, a, I mean, the first ones were, but. Yeah. This was the environment itself. It was gigantic. I still don't understand physically. I mean, most of the ship shots near the end, I take for granted. It's like, that obviously wasn't physical. They didn't build that physically. They built parts of it physically, but they could they not have done mm-hmm. the entire ship. They could not no. have gotten those shots. And they they didn't build like they used a different ship and then added to that ship with yeah. CG a lot yeah. of the time. But like 
a lot of like the ship breaking apart is pieces of that ship that's dressed to look like the Titanic and then tilting the camera and like then like dragging things down the deck to make it look like they're all falling. Yeah. Brilliant. Which is, I mean, it's it's all it's simple filmmaking, but it's brilliant in its simplicity. Then we meet Jack. Yes, we yes. meet Mr. Jack Dawson, and it's a impish, lovely Leonardo DiCaprio. And yeah. I forgot his voice went that high. Yeah, he cracks quite a few times in this movie. I'm and so I used he, to middle-aged Leo DiCaprio these days. I love the amount of commitment to cracking. Say crack again. Crack. I didn't take it. I I just thought he wasn't acting most of this movie. When I first saw it back in the day, I was like, I too would react to boobs like that. (laughs) What? Stare at them intently and (laughs) draw them? Did you just see his face go? (laughs) (laughs) It kind of did. Okay. And and this is coming from, I mean, I think that's love because this is coming from a guy who's seen quite a few boobs in his life. Right. But it's it's Rose who is his real, like, I don't think, I don't think he's loved anyone before Rose. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think this is his first love. And, and uh, I think his first love is playing poker because we meet him playing uh, a hand against like a couple of maybe Norwegian dudes. um, And, him and his buddy Fabrizio, who, hey. hey, is the most, like, <laughs> this guy's Italian, Italian guy yeah. in any movie. I'm an Italian immigrant. <laughs> I'm going to America. <laughs> um, and he, they, they win a poker game, and I love the scene where the Norwegian guy grabs Leo like he's going to just pound his face into meat flesh, mm-hmm. and he turns and punches his friend for losing them the, their tickets. Good moment. And, they win the tickets on the Titanic and they like con their way past the guy um, because, you know, you need to get like a health check so that you don't have like lice or mold. And or they're like, whatever. hey, did you pass the health check? And Leo's like, I'm white. And he's like, good point. Get in here. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they're they're on their way. And, you know, you know, they're on top of the world and they're super happy, but they're down in steerage. Mm-hmm. So let's set up the boat. If you haven't seen the Titanic, (laughs) like saying that out loud, it's like, I feel like everybody in the world seen the Titanic, right? I mean, in person or, or just on TV. Oh, Titanic. I'm sorry. The movie Titanic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that I just, I wonder if Gen Z is going to be the first generation where it's like, what the heck are you guys talking about? I was so excited in November. Like the reason why I wanted to do this movie is because they brought it to Netflix Mm -hmm. and now it's gone already. Oh, wow. I, I I don't know how that happened, but anyway, it's out there. It's available. Go watch it if you haven't. Stop. Go watch it. But enjoy it. Basically, where what we understand is we get some scenes of Rose like meeting all the upper crust people, like the people who made the ship and the people who funded the ship, and you get the unsinkable Molly Brown played by Kathy the, Bates, the untenable, the uh, no, the opposite of untenable, the, the, tenable. the very tenable. Kathy Bates. She's amazing in this role. Yes. Um, and she's like new money and she's blustery and she's like not taking shit from anybody. Love it. And Cal tries to put Rose in her place and Rose is just so fucking unhappy here. She doesn't want to get married to Cal. She doesn't want to be with her mom. She's 17 years old and she's just done. Ugh. She's done being everybody's doll, basically. So the setup of these characters and their romance together and the whole film itself i think james cameron really knew what he had with this movie and he just was like you know what i'm putting all my cards on the table and he goes boom 
melodrama. <laughs> and it's just every step of the way, he makes it as classical, old Hollywood, old-fashioned melodramatic plot where you have a woman who's imprisoned in her life and you have the romantic man who can set her free, but the goddamn iceberg gets in the way of their love. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the conceit. That's the whole story is that these two young people fall in love despite their class differences. And like this, this movie has a lot of like socioeconomic commentary too, because like who are the freest people in spirit, the four. Yeah. And they're also the most interesting, but who are the ones who die the most? The four. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, when when you get them in the water, they all die pretty equally. Sure. The, the amount of people that died from the lower decks were a lot more. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there were more of them on board too, but um, basically Jack, Jack sees her and we get that scene where he, he makes an Irish friend. And I love in, Tommy. in any, in any movie where somebody makes an Irish friend. Cause they're just like, Hey, we're the cool one here. Yeah. You, you want an Irish friend? Yeah, of course you do. Go Everyone on. wants an Irish Come friend. I, I drink and I punch people. This is my <laughs> thing. Everybody needs one of me. Mm-hmm. They're like Pokemon. Catch them in the wild. <laughs> Got, gotta catch them all. Yeah, Tommy's like, ah, you'll never get her, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, Sonny Jim. And then um, basically Rose Rose is just – she knows what's in store for her, which is a life of Cal putting her in her place. And so she decides to end it all and, and jump off the back of the ship. And Leo's like, don't do it. You a hottie. And me and Naughty, we got to do this thing together. <laughs> Their their conversation on the back of the boat is pretty great. Like mm-hmm. I like he if if Leo would have survived, I think he could have gone into some sort of ambassadorial work or <laughs> or like, you know, talking people off ledges because he's like, you know what, that looks cold and painful and like it's gonna hurt and you probably have a lot to live for. Yeah, I mean, this this dialogue is pretty simple. Sometimes it gets clunky, but most of the time it's pretty good and this is probably the better dialogue scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the stuff between him and Rose, I think, is pretty good. Yeah. Well, okay, so um, this is actually just a very short... I thought I was going to be here for a week, but it seems that this uh, particular coffee shop that I was at was actually a really big um, hotspot for piracy, uh, and and specifically coffee piracy. And so... uh, they showed up. They they took they took everything, including me, and um, then made me walk the plank. And uh, I was able to hide my backpack under my shirt. And they just thought I was they just thought I was a a very ill proportioned um, hunchback. And you know uh, they actually weren't that judgmental. The pirates about this whole hunchback situation, but they still didn't make me walk the plank. Um, but luckily, I was picked up by a uh, freight vessel. Um, And so um, right now I am sitting in the captain's office just trying to warm up um, from the the cold sea that I was just in. And he has provided me with hot chocolate. And so again, sorry for the interruption. Uh, I just wanted to update everybody on my progress since this is such a crazy uh, situation. So anyway, thank you again. And um, keep... Captain Phillips in your prayers tonight. And yeah, he, 
he basically like talks her back, but then she falls and he picks her up and then um, she screams and everybody comes rushing and they're like, oh my gosh, it, it's, it, it catches them in a weird compromising position and it looks like Leo was is, getting fresh with her. Yeah. And it looks like he's going to take the, the fall for her mainly mm-hmm. because he's like, I'm poor. So this they're not going to listen happens. to me. <laughs> and then she, she fesses up and like kind of lies, but covers for him. And, um, that's how he gets his in. Yeah. That's how he gets invited. Yeah. So, um, Cal has to be like, oh, fine. You can come to dinner. Thanks for saving my fiance or whatever. (laughs) But Spicer Lovejoy, which is the name of his guard dog, um, his, his, uh, his man, I guess you would call him. Mm Mm-hmm. His bodyguard guy is Body like, mm, how did you, how, how did you have time to take off your shoes? He's like, he's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> I did like Leo's power move of like, Hey, can I have a cigarette? And he takes yeah. two. Yeah, it was good. And he just throws one behind his ear. Yeah. I love that. So then Leo gets, Leo gets a hand from the unsinkable Molly Brown and she dresses him up right. And he goes and has a day with the, uh, with the upper crest. He has dinner with them. I think this is, is this before or after Rose? No, this is him and Rose do take a turn about the ship first. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They have yeah, a nice, he teaches her to spit. Yeah. They have a nice talk and he like offends her or something, but he's just like being real with her. And she's like, I have to be proprietus. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you don't. Yeah. He's like, don't worry. Spit, spit, spit. you know, also, you know, why don't you change your life? It, basically he comments on her life and she's like, ha, how dare you tell a lady how to live? How dare you? And, and you he's, know, like, what, he's like, what the fuck ever, man? It, it's the story between them is extremely simple. It's just that she's imprisoned and he's the one who gives her the courage to break free of the shackles that is her life. And he can't do it himself. She has to be the one to do it. And that's what right. something that they come to realize. And, and I – so this – they come to realize this halfway through the trip. Right. They they realize this kind of on day four. Uh, I mean, just there's this really awesome dancing scene where she comes down to the third class and dances. And then Cal gets mad at her the next morning and throws a table. And like you see what her life is going to be like. Yeah. Right. Like she's going to get beat. And there's just no way around that. And then they like Jack is like, come on, you 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 come be with me. We can do this together. And then they basically fall in love. Like yeah. it's more complicated than that, but it's a very long movie. So <laughs> it's, it's not really that much more complicated than that. It's essentially that there's not any more nuance to it than that. It's not, yeah. the, this love story has no nuance. It's very the, plain. The nuance is, is watching these two beautiful, talented actors, like talk to each other basically. And play real people. Yeah. Like there's something that Kate Winslet's doing in this movie where she feels stilted and awkward intentionally mm-hmm. where she doesn't have a lot of life experience as a, as a young proper girl. And I think that lends to her performance. She's much better in this movie than she is in sense and sensibility, which Whoa. was made two years beforehand. And I, 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 I don't necessarily know I'd say that, but th- I mean, you know, yeah, there's something self-possessed in her in this movie as opposed to Sense and Sensibility, which felt more ingenue presence in that movie, mm. you know, because Marion in that movie just has to kind of be away and then just kind of be a different way later in that movie. Whereas this feels much more complicated 
throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I just saw some people comment on her, her acting and be like, it's so stilted. It feels like she's reading no. off of cards. And I was like, no, no, this is, this is all intentional work. No, it's amazing. Um, okay. So this is day four of an eight day trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Three hour tour. <laughs> and, and these two 17 year olds. Okay. Yep. Are like, you know what? Let's, have a love affair, but not only have a love affair, but tell Cal, the insane man. On who, day four. <laughs> on day four of the trip. Not day eight, day four. That we're going to, you know, be together and I'm going to break up with him. She does this power play where I'm like, I don't think you've thought this through. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, here's the thing. I, I think like the pressures on her are very real and I get her wanting to escape it because at a certain point in time, he like, he gives her the, this diamond that is worth more than the hope diamond, which is valued at like 500 million or something like that right now. Can I ask a question about diamonds? Yeah. Who, who, who wants to pay money like that for diamonds? They're very pretty, but (laughs) Now I, I kind of feel the same way. Like I actually, so there's, um, there's like diamonds that are just un unpolished and uncut. They're just, uh, like, I think they're called raw diamonds where everybody's like, ah, oh, you got to take the cloud out of them. I'm like, those look prettier. And they're like, yeah, but they're worth a lot less. And I'm like, well, isn't beauty subjective? <laughs> they're like, no. Well, I, I've heard, I've heard a story about, um, I had a, f- mutual friend who was trying to get a film financed but they were getting it from like some kind of weird dark money thing and what they were going to do they were going to buy diamonds worth the value of the cash that they had to hand over but they had to hand it over in the form of diamonds and they were going to take the diamonds on an airplane and go to europe and make the exchange with diamonds instead of cash because it was basically the diamonds was pretty much a currency because they were worth such and such that was it because diamonds were forever? Or? <laughs> I don't know, but there's just something about, and that's what Bill Paxton's all about. He's like, I gotta find the diamond because he knows he'll be rich after he finds it. Yeah, I don't, but he also seems to be working for someone, doesn't he? He he feels just treasure huntery in a multi pronged way. He's like, well, first of all. History, you know, we must find history, but also I want to get balls no, rich. But like we, we kind of get that he's he's answering. Maybe it's just the people funding his project, and he's like, "I'll, I'll pay you after I find the diamond." Right, right. Something no, like yeah, that. he seems very disappointed when he doesn't find it. Like he's got more than his like <laughs> so, stuff writing. What on we him. what we don't know is that he's actually like the Italian mob is on his trail, and he has to pay off Job of the Hut as well right like there's there's a couple there's a couple you know things that he needs this diamond that was to, part to of with. the subplot but james cameron felt that it would distract from the love story that is in the main story so they cut exactly. out job of the hut so yes the there's there's a diamond that was gifted to her and it lives in the safe most of the time and and when cal puts it on her it's like he's kind of chaining her yes. a little bit yeah good um, good read but what what they do is Kate asks the question, Kate Winslet, that is, playing Rose. She says, will you draw me like your French girls, Jack? Mm-hmm. And Jack is like, I, nah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, nah, I'll draw you like one of my Norwegian girls. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And in one of the most classic scenes in cinema history, she strips down and he draws her on this couch. And I got to say, I love the blocking and acting in this scene. I remember when this movie came out, the big story was the nude scene in this movie, especially for a kid where that was the scandalous thing. It's like, oh, the forbidden film. I don't understand. I, I think this was I think it was just scandalous because like it was such a popular film and such you had a such mainstream a, movie, such a mainstream movie. But it's really tame. I know it's like three shots. And but for for uh, an, an, a 10 year old, it's like, oh, man, it's like it takes hours. It's so much. Uh, well, I think I think this is twofold because um, the what I think is interesting about the scene is they're both nervous. Yeah, but both very professional, like, because she's like trying to place her hand and she's just doing it awkwardly. And he's like trying to calm her down. And if you've ever, like, I've taken photographs of a lot of people and video of a lot of people and like getting, getting somebody in the right blocking went for a very particular thing. Like it's, it's work. And like, he literally does work, but there's something about that James Horner score when it comes in uh, that is always riffing off my heart will go on by right. Celine Dion. Um, where like we get really close to Leo and really close to her eyes. And this is, this is a freeing moment for her, but it's also extremely sensual in its lack of sexuality. And yet still erotic. Yeah. It, it it has this weird balance where it's it's like a perfect a perfect sensual moment. Yeah, and it's without any touching. It's so much better than a just whatever sex scene because that is. would just be kind of gross, you know. But this is so much more interesting to think about, and there's more character to get out of it because of what you just described of seeing Jack's eyes and Rose's eyes and how. Just how you said, they're nervous, but they're being vulnerable and free with each other. There's this point in time where like he flicks his hair out of his face because he's drawing so furiously and he's like, I need I need to flick this out of my <laughs> face. And Robin's like, that's the moment I fell in love with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which I get it. Like he's yeah, I don't I don't know what's more attractive than Leo's eyes in this moment. I don't think I would have read the scene the way it wanted to be read until I've been married. Not to delve into what <laughs> my sexual life is like other than just to say there's something about and it's kind of unfair but she sees him naked later so i guess it's fine but it's the vulnerability part yeah mm -hmm. and that's something that i can now see is like wow for rose in the society that she's from in the propriety that she's grown up with on top of just the nature of human interaction of being vulnerable with someone amazing just amazing character move and and cameron's vision uh and the art of, like the the costumers and the hair's vision is we talked about a little bit this last episode in the proposal but how rose evolves over the story is her hair is done less and less her her costumes become a little bit more flowy and less restrictive yeah totally. over and over like like until this moment where she's wearing this sheer robe and then takes it off right after she like takes this butterfly uh, pendant uh -huh. we see at the beginning of the movie out of her hair and like lets it all down and in any other moment you're right this would be like classic almost corny and melodramatic somebody like letting their hair down and shaking it out yeah but she's looking at herself in the mirror for the first time as somebody who 
is making a strong choice with their life. Yeah. It's a and, very, it's a bold move, Cotton. It's a bold move. <laughs> bold move. Um, and I, I do you think here's, here's my question about Rose. Do you think, she, cause we know Jack's not a virgin. I mean, come on, Jack's not a virgin. Um, but, but never in love, I'll, never in love. That's my head cannon. But I d- also don't think Rose is a virgin either. I think her and Cal have slept together. I don't, I, I I don't know. I the, hope that she hasn't. And I mean, me too. Because no she no one wants the Zane. She this Zane. This Zane. She Probably gives other Zanes. She gives him. Doesn't she give him? Yeah, she gives him the drawing of herself. And she says, yeah. "Now you have two of us to keep locked up." Yeah. And I feel um, like my head canon of that is, oh, you've never seen me naked. We've never had sex, but this guy's seen me naked. Like, it just feels like a slap in the face of like, you've been such an asshole to me that I went and and was naked with the guy who drew me, but not with you. I, well, that's, that's, that's a little reading in, but the, the reason, the reason why I think this is because he, Cal is talking to her at one point in time. And he's like, I was hoping you would come to me last night. Oh, true. I like my version better. Sure. I, I, I prefer that in headcanon, but I think he's, they have had sex before. Yeah. 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 Okay. Whatever. Yeah. But still, I still like, <laughs> I still think the power play is balls as hell. Oh, it is where she, like, she decides to be like, Hey, like, I, I don't know why you like, I do whatever you want with your art, but it's such a good drawing. At least <laughs> don't have give it to sketch him. it. Like make have make a copy. Get a Xerox. So you can keep one. But that's her way of saying, by the way, I'm running away with this poor guy. I'm not marrying you. Bye bye. Yeah. I have four days left on the ship though. Please don't come find me. Yeah, and and so while this is happening, the whole while we're we're also getting that like, you know, um the the financier is like telling the captain, light all the boilers, we're gonna get to New York early. And the captain's like, ah, I don't know about that. The captain, who is Theoden, Mm -hmm. he's like, where was Gondor when the Titanic fell? Exactly. Um, Where was Gondor? Where was Gondor? And (laughs) um, so uh, anyway, that's going on in the background. And so it's like, ooh, the iceberg's coming. Um, uh, But pretty soon, Jack will be coming. But uh, like you can tell they're 17 because they they're like (laughs) they're not they're not worried about being they're not worried enough about being caught by their parents. Right. Where they they're all robed up and dressed up and then they hear uh, Spicer come in the, the big man dog and he's like, you know, rooting through the apartment and she's like, come on, Jack, let's escape out the back. A smarter person would have sent Jack out and pretended to have been sleeping. Right. And then just been cool. Right. She and, wanted and to keep running all all week because then he sees them both and they're like, <gasps> and they run. And then they see him later and they're like, neener, 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 you can't catch me. <laughs> and it's like, I, I would think they're dumb, but they're also 17. Yeah, totally. And so then they run through the um, the coal mines and or whatever, the engine room, whatever, the coal I, engine room. This is this is great. Like the the whole like every time we get to explore parts of the ship, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. show me more of the ship. Beautiful cinematography down there. And they get all sweaty and steamy. And it's just 
James Cameron can't help it but make it literally a steamy scene when they're in the car together boning and it's literally the steamiest thing he could concoct. You know, speaking speaking of cultural awareness, I think this is probably what we referenced most as kids, where we'd be like like a couple friends would be hanging out in the car, and you know, of course, it would get steamy because it was cold outside, and so one one of us inevitably <laughs> would put our hand game. on the window yes, and course. just go. Ugh. That was that was the like Borat impersonation of 1997. <laughs> it's something everyone is doing. And that, Very nice handprint. Very nice. That's that's what my wife was thinking of. She's like, uh, there's a, like an explicit sex scene. It's like, no, a no, hand goes to a window. But that's, that's how sexual it. it felt for all of us. I know. We're like, <gasps> this is. I think this is kind of the the equivalent of. So Tarantino, everybody's always like, Tarantino's so violent, and he totally is. But the scenes that we think are the most violent are actually the ones where he cuts away from the violence, right. and we get it in like in our imagination. Like, but like, he cut that guy's ear off. It's like, did you see an ear get cut off? Or did you imagine no. an ear get cut off? Yeah, because he drifts away, and then later you kind of see kind of an ear in somebody's hand, mm -hmm. and it's like, but, but we don't actually know. And it's the same thing with the sex scene. It feels so so sexual because of everything that's implied. Yeah. And this is, this is just like, and James Cameron would probably be like, yeah, I'm not going for like, you know, whatever. It's just textbook melodrama. It's big, but it's not explicit. It's very, uh, meta, not metaphorical, but very like imagistic of like, it, this movie felt like a silent movie. Most times, like you could turn the audio off and get mm. the story exactly the way you're supposed to get it. And I think he very much knew what he was doing with that. Yeah. And honestly, I like you keep calling it melodramatic and I know you're not meaning that as a pejorative, but I think this, I think this film is, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to use the word genius, but I, I kind of want to, because I you think you can call it genius. I'll just disagree with you. I think <laughs> I'm not I saying it's bad, but I'm not calling it genius. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, I don't think like the, what I want to say is cinematically, it's almost perfect. I would say it's pure. I would say it's very pure yeah. as a movie. Yeah. That doesn't yeah, make it's... it a masterpiece per se. In a lot of ways, it is a masterpiece. In a lot of sure. ways, it's not a masterpiece, but mm. it is a very pure piece of cinema and it should be studied for a lot of reasons. And it's, it's the reason why it was so successful be, was because James Cameron didn't get too complicated with things. He kept things extremely simple, not stupid, simple. Simple. Yeah. Agreed. And so they don't get caught and they end up like having, um, like they, they escape the, like there's this great scene after, after they both, you know, you know, <laughs> there, there you know is some, they've done. there are some skippers. They're like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> and, yeah, they but like the scene with them in the car where like he's shaking and she's like, you're trembling. Are you OK? It it was great because it felt so intimate. And it also made the guy in the scene, the one who was the more taken care of, which is so mm -hmm. odd to see. Now he's the one who gets to be truly vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Because it was her before. And yeah. Now it's like, you OK, Jack? <laughs> um, <laughs> you OK? <laughs> <laughs> are we good you did some things there <laughs> so i was i was like man you uh, you guys are are lucky that she you know i mean i mean it, you know the chances of her getting pregnant are pretty slim anyway but you know <laughs> you know you guys are lucky <laughs> i mean that would have been one step too far of like and this is my yeah. son <laughs> it's like jack jr <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> so they they get up onto the ship, um, onto the deck, and they start making out. And like just their like their falling in love makeout is so like I've definitely like had that where it's like you're in the throes of just having fallen in love with someone and you're like, it's cold and we're sweaty, but nothing matters. Mm. Nothing matters except for like us in this moment. And <laughs> this totally doesn't relate, but I remember going on my first real date with Sarah after we had been like dating, uh, like when she was in Chicago and I was in Portland, we had dated for three weeks, but like our first weekend together and we went to like a furniture store and we just kept making out in the furniture store that's just that's how I relate to him. Like, ah, just how they were on the deck of the Titanic. I was there in IKEA. Oh, it was IKEA. I'm sorry. Did you just call IKEA a furniture store? It was. I don't remember if it was IKEA or not. It was something like that. But I remember being in a show on a show floor, and we just kept making out because we were it's so like excited. To, to it's like you went to Costco, but you called it a market. <laughs> yeah, we went to the open market. Um, the grocers yeah no no yeah yeah but that's the kind of feeling i'm talking about yeah. is this this abandon it's like i just can't i can't stay away from you because we are magnets yeah but spoiler alert we're just gonna get the, into it now he doesn't make it so i won't now i'm going to bring up this other point i think kind of the point of her thinking about him after the fact in this frame story is that she has no other view of him but perfect and perfect he will remain in her memory. But if they actually went to America five years down the line, I don't think she would see him as such a perfect person. Well, she would maybe see him as more real. More real, and I think they would have had issues and have problems. Wow. This Ryan coming out with real talk, Titanic. But I think that's the point of this movie, is that it will never get an inch towards that thought because well, it's keeping it so romantic romantically pure and simple well i mean th there isn't time like i know I, think, I know i think the idea of of like like you can start dating someone and sometimes you're like you've gone an entire month of just having fun and you're like oh hmm maybe they're not hmm you know what i mean it, it, but and, that's the thing about certain love stories is that when they're told like this it's it feels that's kind of why we have to tell people in real life, well, that's just a story. Like, it, it, you're not going to be like Jack and Rose all of your life. You're going to so, have bumps in the road. I think I think the opposite kind of story than this is probably before sunrise. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, we see the kind of problems that would show up for this couple, but they're falling in love even so. Yeah. And, um, and it, it also feels kind of Romeo and Juliet, where it's just like they are just 17 year olds and they are just going to be yeah. high in the sky with each other. Sure. And uh, I, I, well, I want to talk about the rose we see at the end and the rose that we see on the on the rescue ship. Yeah. And how I don't think those two people necessarily correlate. Uh -huh. um, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, so they caused the Titanic to sink <laughs> because they're making out is what distracts the um, the lookouts who are looking for icebergs. I think James Cameron would also cop to the fact is like nothing would have nothing would have made a difference. It was going too fast. There there was all these details of like it was going too fast. They tried to steer away. They had to shut the engine down. They had to reverse the no, engine. There I, I all think these what things. James I think what James Cameron is saying is that there must have been a root a cause. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. Um, and so they. This is when the ship 
starts sinking because it starts filling with water and we slowly basically see the ship go down. And there are so many twists and turns because at this point we're halfway through the movie. Oh my gosh. It's a, okay. I'm not intense. Like the rest of the movie is a a different film. I'm not going to get into a quibble. I'm not going to rewrite the story. I don't know what I'm going to get into, but I'm just going to, can I be, can I complain? <laughs> I guess it's a quibble. I guess it's a quibble. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. 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 Quibbles and bits is part of a balanced podcast diet. Please talk to your doctor before listening. Quibbles and bits is for humans, not dogs. Part of FDIC and equal housing lender. Um, God, there are parts of this movie in the last half that are thrilling and so good. And like, here is the director of the Terminator and aliens and Terminator two. It's so like, who, who, and you're, you're just thrilled by it. And then there are parts where it's like, God, James Cameron, who hurt you? Where he's just like showing you all this death. And James Cameron is just like holding you by the cheeks. And it's like, there's no hope for them. They're all going to (laughs) die. It's like, I know. Why do I have to be looking at this? I don't think I, I mean, I I feel where you're coming from. I want to say that I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think you can tell this story any other way. I know. And it's just kind of like, there's no, you have to do it. You have to tell the tragedy. I guess I would change certain things. So I'm now going to rewrite the movie. Oh my goodness. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. What the latter half of the movie is is Jack is Rose rescuing Jack because there's a there's a thing where Jack gets wrongfully accused of stealing the diamond and he gets thrown mm-hmm. into the brig and Rose this has to rescue they, him from it. This is when they still think that like it's going to be fine if we go tell Cal like oh, we're not going to be with you anymore. Yeah. Well, not that not that they were like in a poly relationship or anything, <laughs> right. but um, but yeah, he, Cal gets him wrongfully accused of stealing the diamond, so he gets him arrested and gets him thrown into the brig. And so while the ship is sinking, Rose has to go rescue him. Great sequence. Great sequence. Don't you love the moment where where Jack is just like like telling Rose to her face? He's like, you know that I didn't do this. You know it. Like, And he's just yelling it as he gets dragged out the door. And I just think there's something so visceral about Leo's performance where he's like – He's not focused on anything else. He knows his only hope is if Rose yeah. saves him. And it's like she doesn't really do anything only because I feel like she reverts back to her old self that she doesn't ha- quite have the – She doesn't have any power. She doesn't have the machinery to actually stop what's happening. Yeah, or the experience. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and he's like, why did you come back from me? And we're all like, dude, she always believed you. She always mm-hmm. believed you. I mean, there was there was a smidge of doubt, but only because I think she's so used to being told what is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's an amazing sequence of her having to rescue him from. Oh my gosh! Brilliant, like making making the way down all the different hallways, whether they're filled with water or she's looking for the axe or like she's trying to rescue a kid. Brilliant filmmaking, and they're like running around the ship. They're trying to get out of there. There's water flowing. Wonderful stuff, but it's being cut with all this. 
the film constantly reminding you, it's like all this effort is pointless for most people on this. It's mostly going to be ending in death for them. And since I'm like dying on this hill saying this is the purest melodrama I think that can exist, I think it has no choice but to do what it's doing of being like, no, death. <laughs> this is a tragedy. I have to be tragic about it. If I do you, do you not think it's interesting that they're all I think it's I think it's banal. I think it's boring that he's just like, they're dying. They're going to die. They're dying. Not Jack and Rose. Oh, that's interesting. Jack and Rose is fun because there's a chance. There's a chance for Jack and Rose and there are heroes and I'm seeing them work their way through a problem and getting to a point of surviving. And what is perfect about it is that if Rose was stuck down there by herself, she would have died. Jack is the one like pushing her, saying she can do it, coaching her, egging her on, getting her through it, and he's the reason that she lives to So they fight save each day. other. Yes. Yeah. That's um, good. All the other people who are okay. just dying on screen, I want to just, I want to leave. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Okay. Okay. I uh, don't feel the same way. I absolutely love it. Why? Because I am enthralled. That they're dying? That you're just watching them hopelessly flounder in this water and just suffer? I think it's fascinating the way people will try to escape. I think it brings out all the different kinds of personalities that exist. I think you have the opportunists. I think you have the people that are just like desperately being shepherded along by all the people that are trying to save them. And I think within each of these small stories, whether it's Cal trying to buy his way off the ship, Fabrizio trying to like unleash like the last boat because he is at the bottom of society mm -hmm. and this is the dregs that he's left with or like the women who get like shunted off the boat at first or like the kid Cal gets picked up or picks up in order to like get his ticket onto a boat. I think all of these are stories with how people deal with tragedy and how it forces them to basically live up to their best or worst selves. And I think we get a ton of that. And since I have met all of these characters and have small feelings about at least all of them, it really, like, it didn't impact me as much as Jack and Rose, but it still gave me a more comprehensive story that I really enjoyed. It gave me, I, I will validate you and say, I'm happy for you that you enjoyed it. But for me, it gave me... Was it too morbid? I mean, it wasn't like he was luxuriating in their death but he was I didn't think so either but he was just kind of denying them victory he was just kind of showing no the history denied them victory. no I know I know like <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying like rewrite the rules and say they all survived but show us some of the people some of the people having their small victories and I feel like it was just a string of losses for all these people whereas there were people there were survivors and yeah, we, this, we, we got this. We got survivors. I know, but this. This, a lot of the survivors were the ones, the lucky ones who just got on boats and there, there they went. But for Jack and Rose, so many of those, the point of so many of those scenes was seeing them get victory after victory in spite of all the things working against them. I see it. What I, what I think balances this is we have, um, cause only, only five people that weren't in the boat survived. Right. Right. And I think Rose surviving is made all the more special by all the death that we see of all these people struggling just as much as she does, but not making it. Right. 
And <clears throat> is there a point to that? Is it because they didn't have a Jack with them? What was it that made her survive? Well, I think part partially is having someone who loved her by her side, like making sure that she got there. Mm-hmm. That's half of it. And then the other half is luck because there were quite a, a few other people that she was right next to that either made wrong choices like that guy who grabs his kid and runs down the wrong direction of the hallway. Right. And he unfortunately died with his kid. Right. Yeah. Um, or the <laughs> who's the like, like the other guy on the back of the boat with them that goes down with the boat. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm the I'm the chef. I'm going to drink my brandy <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like like uh, all of these mini stories uh, are people who didn't get as lucky as Rose, and I think the fact that she survived, I would say she's lucky. It w- and I think she would say yeah. That. And for me, the experience of the last half of the movie was too traumatizing and not enough catharsis. And I think I I I just probably would have. Is there something you would add? I would to get that catharsis. I would just. It's it, I, I get it. I get why he had to do it the way that he did it, because it's like if you dial back the tragedy, you are just kind of like washing over the historical figure of it of like, no, it was awful and people need to understand it's awful. And it's just it's so in your face. And I get it. I just I wish he went in a different way with it. I wish there was more Jack and Rose to the other survivors, I guess is what I'm saying, Mm. is that show us the death, but show us some more catharsis of someone struggling for a lifeboat and like getting it. And it's like the lifeboat drama we get, it felt like it didn't really go anywhere other than to say, look how fucked they are. It's like, I know. I mean, Cal survived. Didn't that make you happy? No. (laughs) And that's the other thing. It's like, oh, well, there were more people who did survive after the fact. But it was Cal. It's like, God damn it. Not him. Um, the uh, see, I think the last thing I'll say about this, you know, quibble, the the amount of tr- quibble that you have here is that I feel like the the tragedy was equal parts tragic and then exploring that really hard question that really, if not done right, not offensive, but um, inconsiderate question i think is what beauty can we find here right which i think with the with that like they see the um the uh captain going down with his ship Mm -hmm. right which is tragic but there's something beautiful about it because also the musicians are playing for everybody not only they start playing for everybody but then they start playing for themselves Mm -hmm. and each other yeah and and then, like, you have the mom who is, t- like, trying to get her kids to fall asleep before the ship sinks. And she's telling them a story. <sighs> and I think all of these all, I think all of these moments, coupled with their tragedy, there is a sense of beauty of humans not only trying to survive, but saying, okay, even if we aren't going to survive, maybe there is something beautiful here still. And I don't think everybody can do that. I think as evidenced by, I think he's saying 96% of the people here are going to die horribly and sad and tragically and gripping on for life. And everybody dies tragically. But I think he's saying that there are probably some people that when faced with death, find some beauty with life. And I don't, I, I think that's, that's a fine, I don't know if I call it a message, but it's a, 
it's an okay addendum thesis to have to this tragic. Yeah. And a lot of this movie reminded me of Moulin Rouge. Did you get Moulin Rouge vibes to this movie? Uh, just because it's a tragic love story. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I can see where you're at. I mean, um, I, I don't want to use it, it. Definitely didn't feel like it. It's not, it's not that it's heavy handed. It's that the, I think the hope when you tell a tragic love story that is melodramatic in nature is that you want to have powerful emotions portrayed, but in the hopes that powerful emotions are felt by its audience and they're just as they're moved all the more strongly because you're telling such a strongly, strongly felt story and Titanic by its nature is a strongly felt story because you have love and death and it happening in, in the same, at the same time. And it's the point is to have very strong emotions. That's the point of melodrama is a stronger emotional tale than a movie like bridge of spies. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's to move you deeply. And I don't, I don't like being moved like that. I think what I'm getting at is hmm. good job. I'm giving you high marks. I just, it makes me feel a little sick to my stomach what you're doing. So it's doing. not your cup of tea, kind of. It really isn't. Because like Moulin Rouge, I have a lot of problems with Moulin Rouge. But I am I'm, I'm think I'm finding that I do not care for the tragic melodrama love story. Do you like any tragic stories? Um... Because I'm, I'm finding cold tragedy as something that I can't. I, I don't have a taste for it anymore. Like you and I went and watched Cold War a couple years ago with Robin. Yeah, that was just tragic. Some, and it was just very like European about it. It's like, ah, love's a bitch. It's like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if it's just my American sensibility or if it's my idealistic nature, but I need my tragedy with a sense of bittersweetness to it. And I feel like this movie has a lot of bitter, but the sweetness is wrapped up in Jack and Rose. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I really like it. I, there, there was a saying where you gave a movie high marks is someone say, how'd you like the movie? And the person coming away said, Oh, I had a good cry. And mm. that would mean that the movie succeeded. I had a good cry. Mm. And I feel like mm-hmm. the point of this movie is to have a good cry because it's not ending with Rose dying. The movie would not work at all if we just watched rose die too you have <laughs> if jack was jack was on the the, the door okay <laughs> and we have to address the door because um you know they like they survive the sinking but they just find a door to be on she and we have to state she barely survives she would have been a goner yeah. like if it was 10 minutes later that she had been found yeah and um the this is the only like Maybe props was dealing with so many other things, but this door was too big for this scene. It would have sank if they both were on it. No, it wouldn't have. Yes, it would um, have. No. Have you ever have. floated on a floaty and there's not enough? <laughs> a lot. Probably a ton more than you have. If, and there's not enough air in it and there's only room for one person weight-wise, not space-wise. It's not a no, space no. issue. Is it a weight it, it, issue? With this door, it is. there, there is enough there's enough flotation to this door in order to accomplish Malarkey. this. You can Malarkey. no, you can tell you can tell when they're getting on it because it flips over towards them. It doesn't start sinking when they're climbing on it. I I bought it, Mr. Cameron. You convinced okay. me. 
But I, I think I think a smaller door where he couldn't have fit on it would have done me just fine. I, I, that's that's like my only quibble I, with it. I do say the movie succeeded because, in spite of like my horror at what was going on, is that we see Rose escape the shackles that would be her life. If she was to be with her mother and Cal was out of the picture, she would still be stuck in a societal position where her mother expects her to marry up to get them out of their. Uh, yes, would be poverty. They're like a Jane Austen novel, and she's like, "You have to get mm-hmm. married to someone mm-hmm. rich, or else I'll have to go to work." Do you want to see me go to work? I can't yeah, go to the, work. The mom's biggest tragedy is, "What do you want me to? Do you want to see me a seamstress?" And it, everybody here who has been working their entire lives is like, "Fuck you, lady." And I, I think that's what's so good about Kate Winslet's performance in that scene where she's like, almost she's being corseted. Another time where she's being like. But, tied down but she's like almost stifling a laugh at her mother where she just the night before partied with poor people and she's like poor people rock what are you talking about <laughs> you get to drink beer and dance what the f- are you talking about mom this is awesome and and i i want to like i wish i wish we didn't get the framing story sometimes when i finish this movie because i'm like how fun would it be to see a movie called rose to see like what the struggle of this character sure. that we knew would be like afterwards. Sure. I um, I'll I, I'll give it another generation, but I'm sure that's going to happen where it's going to be Titanic I, 2 and it's just going to be Rose in the 30s. Titanic 2 is already made actually. Um it's it's a bad disaster movie. Yeah. Um but the So I, this is this is my actual quibble, uh-huh. okay? We have this Rose in the future, right, who takes all of her pictures with her. And she's an old biddy who's had a long life and she seems to like live in L.A. or whatever. And she does pots and, and stuff. She I do pot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, she's just she smokes pot a lot. Um, she doesn't seem like the Rose. If, if I think of Rose as who she was, which is a woman who is used to a very specific kind of lifestyle and has chosen to give all that up, but now has to face reality, which is living a life of poverty, probably getting a job. And then as we see in all of her pictures, like becomes an aviator and like goes on safari. And so somehow gets money or work or something. She, she marries somebody. We find that out, but she has this wild and crazy life. She seems like she'd have way more spunk to her than the lady that we get. Yeah, I think in spite of this movie being so long at three hours and 15 minutes, I would have bought another 25 minutes of Rose's life afterwards. And I think that would have evened the movie out for me just to see who she could have become after this and see Mm. like... You don't think it would have been the two-face of the Dark Knight? It might have been that, but it would have been our proof is in the pudding of like what Jack did was change her life, not surviving this horrific traumatic event of this boat sinking. It was her encounter with Jack. He redid her compass. Yes. He, he freed her. He freed her. Which, which we get, but I I think, I think you honestly, I think it's with the casting. Personally, I know you have to cast somebody old and somebody fragile, but I, I think or the direction of her. But I think if you would have given a little bit more vim and verve and vigor to this this lady who is the old Rose, I think I might have got that because it's fine as it is. And 
what what do you think of the metaphor um, where basically we we get that when Cal comes looking for her, she's like, oh no, I'm gonna hide from Cal on their rescue. Worst boat. looking um, ever. He like walks down. Yeah. She here? Nah, nah. Guess she's not here. <laughs> They're all tired. <laughs> like you know, they've had quite an ordeal, <laughs> but he put. There's like this whole sequence that we didn't even talk about where he put a coat on her at one point in time and that coat had this priceless diamond in it. And like she decides not to use that. Like she decides not to sell that. Right. And I think this movie is is like it's a metaphor because her love for Jack is wrapped up in this diamond and it's completed when she tosses it into the sea, thus being like, okay, my, my time with the Titanic is done. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, but I think if Jack would have had that and he would have survived with her, he would have been like, let's hawk it and sell it lady. (laughs) Let's find a fence because obviously they couldn't just sell it because it's cows. And if they sold that, then he would know that she was around and survived. They didn't have blockchains then. No. Well, that's yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no crypto yeah. going after it. Um, but the, um, I think Jack would have sold it. I think that he would have made something of their life. And I'm of two minds. Cause I'm like her not selling it gives me more of a character study of her life where she's like, no, she, she made it on her own, which is cool. But at the same time, I'm like, Fucking dude, you could have started a charity for all these people. Or you something. know what she, here's how I would have done it. I would have had her go out there and, Bill Paxton would have been out there smoking his reefer and be like, man, what a day. Listen to that old lady's story. Um, but they, she could have been like, that was my story, young man. And then he's like, that's a wonderful story, but still empty handed. Didn't find the diamond. And she's like, oh, but you did. And showed him the diamond and freely mm. give it to him like Frodo Baggins. Mm. And then he throws it in the ocean. Well, the whole, I mean, yes, the whole point is him looking for this treasure, not realizing that in a way her, not her story, but her, her elucidation, her witnessing to these people of the Titanic. That's what's valuable. Her Mm -hmm. witnessing, not this thing. And he could have been like, you're right. And throw it into the ocean and they could have done it together. Yeah, that would have been fine, but I don't think you could have cast Bill Paxton to pull that off. Like Bill Paxton is great, but I don't I don't think he is the kind of actor that I would cast in the part of someone who is being so selfless. <laughs> Sorry, Bill um, Paxton. R.I.P. No, no. R.I.P. I also <laughs> do you think that there was a moment where like maybe even in the original script where Bill Paxton and her granddaughter had like a like a oh we're falling in love yeah they were very because they close. always have these flirtatious like looks yes and James Cameron's <laughs> like bro I've got three hours and 15 minutes already I gotta cut this and I and I very much appreciated that the frame story felt modern and the main story felt classical and yet it's still goes hand in hand that these two realities are synchronous. Yeah, I I agree. I think this movie, I think you could have done this movie without the frame story. I think it adds and detracts from it. I think it brings it down to earth because if you didn't have the frame story, it would feel too, is the word highfalutin? Am I thinking of the right word? Let me look this up. Highfalutin meeting? Carbs? I think that means like pretentious. 
I think pompous is a better way. It would have felt too pompous of like, look at this old-fashioned story that we've concocted. It feels more... There is the rose-colored glasses, pun intended, <laughs> of of what we're looking at. It's We are looking mm-hmm. at a memory, and it is does feel a little bit more golden. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. I mean, even even in color, like they were coloring the the modern scenes very blue mm-hmm. and very cool. And I guess I see what you're saying. I just I do think that there is something so I don't know if like the the modern stuff even felt a little corny yeah. to me at times, and so that's what I didn't like about it. But I think all that to say, let's throw us over to trope talk and then we'll talk about how much we loved or didn't love this film. Yeah. And we're back with Trope Talk. It's like Boat Talk, but with more dying. Mm, mm-hmm. This time, for sure. <sighs> Old man in the sea of bodies. <sighs> just, I still, it's just on my shoulders. I just feel, ugh, just. You know, the, I think the the scene where they go back and pick up uh, Rose when they're looking for her and everybody's frozen and she's frozen and Jack's frozen. God, it's so, it's so sad, but. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not super into tragedies, but I was not affected. I think there's something broken <laughs> inside of me. It felt. <laughs> it felt more eerie, and I think it's supposed to feel eerie and un, yeah. unreal because you don't experience death like that. Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's fascinating, and like I thought, this scene was fascinating and beautiful. Like there's this. I. I think it's. It's a. It's a not real story, but where, um, like there's a there's a radio lab episode about during world war one or two, these people were marching across Poland and um, I'm probably butchering the story, but basically um, some soldiers came across a lake where there were a bunch of frozen horses, like just frozen on the top surface of the lake. And it, that means that the lake would have had to flash freeze. Mm. Um, and so like scientists are like, uh, is this real? Could this have been real? Like, how would this have happened? Like, it, like, the temperature would have had to change so rapidly. And with all of these people floating in the water and floating because of their, their life jackets and them being frozen, there's just something so unnatural or I, I would almost hazard the word unique. And that kind of makes that eeriness beautiful to me. It sounds weird, but I'm like, if you're going to show me people die, Show me that dying. <laughs> yeah, show me the interesting dying. Yeah, because the other kind is just traumatizing. It just makes me think. It's it's like why people didn't go into the water when they watched Jaws, and this is like a hundred times worse. It's like I feel safe on a on a on a cruise ship still, and I've been on a cruise ship, but I still can't help but have that like ugh, that feeling Ooh. that when you're in a situation where it's like I wouldn't know how to get myself out of this circumstance. See, this is one of Robin's biggest fears, actually, is just big boats in general, Mm -hmm. because she just doesn't like she understands how they float. but She just like on a instinctual guttural level, it feels wrong. And so this just doubles down all of her fears. She's like, we are still not getting on boats. Did you not watch Titanic, Kelly? Uh, She, you know, she's she's like, I think I could do it in I, I think she could do it. I think it would take. Like she's already done it on a big ferry, which is a pretty big boat. It's not quite as big as the Titanic, yeah. but it's a pretty big boat. I was very impressed with yeah. her. But but I I don't know. Like I don't I'm one of those people that 
would be like, you know what? I think I could survive this. And I, I don't want this to happen to me, but if I'm put in this situation, I have been waiting for a test like this my entire <laughs> life, kind of. It, I'm not those people that are like, I can't wait for a zombie apocalypse. But yeah. I feel like I do good in I do good in hard situations. Well, so I'm like, this This sounds like an This adventure. isn't our trope, <laughs> but I feel like there is a point. And it's like what Titanic is doing is nothing new. It's being a disaster movie. And there's thousands of disaster movies. And it's just kind of like... Mm. You know, pick your poison. You know, a, a, a building that's on fire, the towering inferno, you know, earthquakes, mm-hmm. uh, airplanes falling out of the sky, cats and dogs living together, just sure. disasters all over the place. I've never mm-hmm. had any iota of interest in watching a movie that is in the disaster genre. Like like a day after tomorrow or any anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I watched that. There was Armageddon. There was catharsis in day after tomorrow. I did like that one. <laughs> I, it's not that I liked well, it. It was like eh, that wasn't traumatic, and maybe that's a failing of that movie. Of like, shouldn't disaster movies be a little traumatic? Um, I what what I think most stories should be about is humans, and so I even think that disaster as a genre is simply a framing device for a world. Oh, do you want to bring Uh, us into our trope then? Yeah, it's framing devices. (laughs) Um, So a framing device, obviously in this movie, it's what I I think is called like a nested narrative Mm -hmm. where we we have somebody telling a story that exists within this film. And it was invented Um, by William Shakespeare. And I can't remember which play he did it for. Midsummer's. Mid- well, I, I know, I know he does do it in Midsummer's because it, they invite all the people to do the um, like. There's a troop. They're they're drunk, and there might not even be a troop, but they they hire these. Yeah, they hire the troop to perform Midsummer's Night's Dream in front of the king. Uh, yeah. Is this the one I'm thinking of? Where there there there's yeah, there's a lot of drunk people. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe not invented, but popularized by William Shakespeare. I love this Wikipedia. It's like story within a story, like in Shakespeare's, and then it just (laughs) cuts. uh, Shake. Um, Oh, Hamlet. There's a play within a play. play. That's That's not a framing device. That's a play within a play. That's different. Um, Midsummer's Night's Dream and Love Slaper's Lost. Okay, there you go. Almost the whole of Taming of a Shrew is a play within a play, presented by Christopher Sly. This is the one I was thinking that, of. That one, that um, one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Taming of the Shrew is what I was thinking of, but Midsummer says it as well. Yeah. Um, but um, there are – what this does is it it kind of adds a an extra layer of separation at times because I think, I think us knowing that Rose survived – does that do anything for our fear? Yeah, absolutely. Because we have Rose telling the story. And so we always have that in the back of our head. We're like, well, she's not going to die. Now, it's funny because when I was watching her this time, I think I I had almost forgotten about future Rose, especially because she's so different that at times I was thinking if this is my first time watching the movie, I'd be more concerned about Rose than Jack. Right. Yeah, which is the mark of a good filmmaker yeah. that gets you like caught up with in the story. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think sometimes it's it's kind of like looked at as a crutch a little bit because there is there's a little bit of 
like, like, is this narrator telling the story poorly or are you just telling the story poorly? Yeah. You can almost like, you know, like, so what Ryan and I really have differing opinions on a book called name of the wind, which is all a story being told by someone and you either trust the narrator implicitly or don't trust him. And that kind of determines how you see the story that's being told. Yep. And uh, like you brought up earlier that like Rose's rose colored glasses might be coloring Jack a little bit. Um, do you, did you get a sense that Cameron was telling us anything like that? Yes. Cause I like, just told you that. Like, <laughs> No, no. Do do you think that he implicitly was like, or explicitly was telling us Rose might be seeing this through a lens? Um, I think there is, I think there is a point like I brought up earlier that we have the contemporary story and we have the story being told to us and it's not doing things that are like, oh, I remembered it differently and having like details like contradicted in front of us or things like that. It's just that she remembered these people in a certain way and these characters in the main story feel a little flat because that's probably the big details that she remembered about them. Whereas Mm. Bill Paxton, not nuanced, not detailed, but doesn't necessarily feel flat the way that Cal feels flat that he is just kind of a bad, rich dude. And her mom just kind of was very singular in what she thought was what was up, you know? And I think that's Mm -hmm. all she, because she didn't, I'm sure she didn't see her mom ever again after this. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack would be a perfect person in her, in her eyes and all, all for good reasons. And yeah, I think yeah. that's I think that's the effect of this frame story. In other frame stories, you have other reasons of being, other raison d'être of of the thing with the Princess Bride. Sorry, what was that? Raison was that, was that d'être. Oh, okay. You have with Princess Bride, you have a grandpa mm-hmm. telling his story out of a book, and it's super meta. Explain the meta ness of what's going on. Oh yeah, well okay. I, I let's save the super meta ness for when we do Princess Bride. Yeah, um, but there's more to this story. <laughs> just yeah. just believe us. <laughs> we, we'll we'll do a really deep dive into like the many layers that is Princess Bride, the book in the movie, and the book in the movie. Yeah. Um, but Peter Falk, being the grandpa, is telling this story of the Princess Bride to Fred Savage, and we get to see this story writ movie, um, and I think what that does for us as audience is it makes anything in this movie that feels a little too storybooky or too corny or too whatever it throws that away because this is our grandpa telling us a story of course it's going to feel like that and it also adds a layer of comfort and it adds a layer of age to it because our grandpa's telling this and so it must be an older story there's just so much even without his narration, there's so much implicitly in a story that's being told to you by 
somebody that you should feel comfortable with, with, which is your grandpa. Like, who are you going to feel more? I mean, not everybody has a perfect grandpa, but like the platonic grandfather is that person who's like, I'll read you a story when you're sick. Mm -hmm. And so getting that framing device makes you love this story even more. Yeah. And there's something about a story within a story to give us this conjuring and to just make it go deeper. And that's metaphor is seen in inception and is Mm, the whole mm -hmm. point of that movie is to make you more immersed and more psychologically tethered to the story that's being told and getting lost in a story, which for me, there is nothing more cosmic and more existential than getting lost in a movie. When that happens, it is the most human thing I can experience, and it's why movies are the thing that I love. Because when I get lost in a story, it's like living a lifetime outside of myself. And there's no drug, nothing out there could ever replicate such a powerful experience. And the framing well, device. Have you ever tried that. meth? <laughs> But the framing device is not a crutch, but a, an aid most of the time to up the ante of getting that psychological depth because you're just – just how it goes in Inception, you're just getting lost within a world that's already lost within a world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's how I feel about How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> no. Are, are you going to – are you going – are you going to watch – just this is going to date this episode, but are you going to watch – how I Met Your Father. Kelly, I'm three episodes in and I'm loving it. Really? I'm loving it. Sarah and I really, really enjoy it so far. We've watched three episodes. And we're like, this is good. I don't know why people are complaining on the internet. I think if they're comparing it to like, this isn't as good as nine years of How I Met Your Mother. It's like, yeah, it's in three. It's in its third episode. It can't possibly be that good. But tantamount to the third episode of How I Met Your Mother, it's on par. I think it's good. Yeah. Okay. It looks from the outside, having not seen it, it looks bad. It does look bad. There's a lot of moments that are in the trailer. I'm like, ooh, that's, that, that is a whiff. But then when you actually watch it in context, you're like, oh, the trailer made it seem like a completely different moment. Okay, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah, because there's like this scene in the trailer where one character is like, repeat after me, this is the first day of your next big love story. And it's like kind of like these characters being like, oh, we're being cheesy, but so, you know, honest and genuine. They're actually like making fun of a moment. Like they're 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 riffing on a moment. They're not actually okay. being earnest the way that this trailer is doing. So I think it's being marketed not great. Okay. I, I like it. If okay. you if you're missing romantic comedy television, check it out. So Captain Phillips isn't with us anymore. Um, there were more pirates in these waters than initially thought, um, and these ones weren't after coffee. They they were after shipping containers. Um, I, I don't know exactly what they were looking for, but now I'm on another pirate ship, and instead of making me walk the plank, they're making me cook them dinner. They said that I could have half an hour off for podcasting. Uh, big fans, actually, of the show. So it looks like I'm going to be recording from here from, from, now, from now on. Well, that's, that's Titanic, everybody. Well, in deference to the fact that we are doing a movie about a boat, not in deference, maybe offended that we do a movie about a boat instead of a train. The train man has opted to mail his letter. Mm. Um, 
uh, to us this week. It's just a letter. It's I got it right here. Um, and it's oh okay okay on the on the inside there's some sort of stain that doesn't smell good so um, par for the course for the train man um, but he sent me your essay yes uh, so the essay I have here is Ryan's five alternatives to Leonardo DiCaprio's heartthrob of Titanic fame mm-hmm. now he's saying that these five gentlemen they're all gentlemen i would say they're alternative um, like alternative rock you know they're 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 there's something that you may not consider on first listen but once you really get into it you realize this is much better oh once you once you listen to the album as a whole then you realize okay, okay. computer is a good album um and and so yeah i'm not actually going to spoil any of these um any of these people but I, I was surprised, and uh, like like most articles online, this may surprise you what Ryan bit. <laughs> I'll just give you one. I'll just give you one. No, I won't give you one. I won't even give you one. I got to make uh, you go read it. Are you sure? Oh, I'm going to just say Jack Black. Jack Black's on the list. Yeah, there you go. So that gives you like that gives you um, a, a control for it of like, okay, if Jack Black's on the list, then I think I might be able to anticipate what else is on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come over to patreon.com slash romcom gents and check that out if you will. Um, I think this is the last week that um, we're going to be talking about the fact that we did a bonus episode for Licorice Pizza, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Uh, we do a bonus episode every month. And so now there's a back catalog of, I think, 11 of those. Wow. Good for us. I think. Maybe. It's somewhere around there. Yeah. I think it's close to 11 of those. And. Um, and then also, uh, we have a, you get to vote if you are a patron for the last movie of the month. And this month, I, I mean, we can, we can just call it at this point, right? Yeah, let's call it. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's Legally Blonde. It's Legally We're Blonde. Watching, that is the winner. So next week we'll be watching Legally Blonde because our patrons decided to choose it over the other movies. And so if you come over to Patreon, our Patreon, you can help choose too and just be part of the family. Come it's on. fun. I'm loving the conversation that's happening here. They were like, they were, they were like celebrating like, ah, oh, it's gotta be legal blind. And there's some conversation on yeah. the call. I love it. Yeah. And, um, they also, everybody is kind of determined that next month's Patreon is going, we have to do something adventure themed. Right. 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 Uh, so I think like romancing the stone is going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, we can make know. a case for the mummy. I mean, Rachel Vice and Brendan Fraser. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think we'll pull a, it off. I love. I mean, I love that movie, and I love. Uh, okay, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll give um, a shot. But you can find that over on Patreon.com/slash/romcom, gents. Um, and I think that throws us right over to our romcom Oscars. All right, here are the Oscars. I will give it. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction slash Set Direction, Best Costume Design, mm-hmm. Best Sound, mm-hmm. Best Film Editing, Best Effects, yep. Sound mm-hmm. Effects Editing, Best Effects, mm-hmm. Visual Effects, Best Music, sure. Original Song, mm-hmm. Best Music, Original Dramatic Score. I will nominate yep. it for Best Actress in a Leading Role with Kate Winslet. I will nominate it for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and I will nominate it for Best Makeup, but I will not give them the Oscars for that. So, no Best Actor? Oh man, was he shut out? <laughs> the one, the one nominee that they well, no, there was two. There was no lead actor, and there was no supporting actor. I get nominated. no supporting actor. There, there weren't many juicy roles for the supporting actors. How about Billy here. Zane? 
I mean, it's hard to nominate villains. You know what I mean? I know. Like the only ones that win are Jokers. <laughs> Bill Paxton was like listening to the nominees get get listed and not hear his name. He's like, this is bullshit. I didn't get to have a sex scene or get nominated. Um, I think, I mean, I know mine. Do you know yours? Um, this seems such a random one to give it, but I'm going to give it best physical effects, which is such an overarching thing to say, but this is, are you you saying best stunt work? No, I'm saying the, the physical makeup of the film and what was done physically to the ship, to to the set. In order to make it happen. Yeah. Like her in a submerged Mm. hallway. It's so it's done so incredibly well. And I don't think we'll ever have anything ever come close to looking like this ever again. So kind of like the combination of set design, special effects and visual effects. Yeah. It's, this is, this is the most movie magic a movie can do. Yeah. This is, it's absolutely amazing. Like we didn't really even impress upon you how outrageously amazing this film is on that level. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it best actor. I mean, I think Leo deserves it. It's not just a political, you know, he didn't get it last year. So I'm giving it to him now. Mm -hmm. He did finally get an actor, best actor award, but I think he's, I think he's actually the best actor in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and for being so young, I think he carries this film. I think Winslet does a fantastic job as well. You know, I love her, but I just think he's absolutely fantastic. I, He's once in a generation that has yet to be matched. Timothy Chalamet is the only thing that comes close and not even that close. Yeah, there's there's something about the confidence, swagger and just embodiment of a role combined with sexiness that Leo has. That is the word that comes to mind is undeniable. Like even if you don't want to think he is attractive and charismatic and a good actor, I don't think you could. I don't think you'd come up with a good argument or feeling in your body. I think your body would reject the words and you would end up just like choking. Yes. If you tried to say it out loud. Yes. Agreed. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, then tell me what else you think. Who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is I... Loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. Okay, so I'm going to be, I'm going to throw physicality out. Okay. Because I think, I think obviously I would, like body wise, I'm definitely going for Kate Winslet, mm-hmm. like a, a large part of who I was attracted to as a human being growing up was defined by Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to set that aside. Personality wise, like who, who would I want to live with the rest of my life? I think I'm going with Leo. Mm-hmm. I think he is free and charming and, and kind and sure he might not think everything through but i think i could survive anything with leo Mm -hmm. and so i'm gonna go with him okay i like it i'm gonna go with kate with Mm -hmm. rose because if i was with leo 
he would be far too optimistic most of the days and be like, I, I know, I know I should be celebrating life. I just had a long day, Jack. I would like to kick it with a beer. You do not have to have me run through the fields. You're just you a think, little too much Jack, for me, Jack. You don't think Jack would kick it? He'd kick it. But then he'd be like, come on, we're dancing. I'm like, we are not dancing. We are Can staying. We are staying inside. And we're going to watch think, this television show. I think much like Tribe, um, can you would you ask it? him and he would say, yes, he can. Yes, he can. No, I, I, I and I just, I, I think Rose is the kind of person I would want to meet at the end of this movie. Or, or at yeah, the beginning agreed. of the movie. But like, I wouldn't be enough for her at the beginning of the movie. She needed Jack to get her free. And then it's like, okay. now that you're free, can, I would like you to meet me. Can, can we do a, a combo right now? Just because it's such an epic movie with epic characters. Yeah. Can we say up until the end, we'll pick Jack. Yeah. And then at the end, we both take Rose. Because we have no choice because Jack's dead. I mean, Jack's dead. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's a it's an extravaganza of a film. I think we deserve to fall in love twice. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one last question and I want to know I'm not asking if you'd recommend this movie because I think we both would recommend this movie. Mm. I'm asking, what would you give this movie on a star system, which is an unfair th- system? But I think it's it clarifies some things for me. If you can tell me out of five stars, what would you give it? OK, um, what's our delineations? I mean, like, do we go to point fives? Yeah, um, yeah, you get or, a point five, but no point seven fives. You get no quarters. I'm giving this a, I'm giving this a four point five. Oh, okay. Um, because like I want to give it the full five because I think it's just, I think it, honestly, I think it deserves five, but there are, there's just, there's just parts of it that feel just a smidge too corny Mm -hmm. for me and i i I hate saying 4.5 i don't i don't even want to say it but i'm gonna give it 4.5 with like a but but only because i was frozen before i could put the 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 last half of the star (laughs) up there it just didn't quite hit the mark it it got so close to the mark no it it did it's my fault that it didn't get the full five stars what do you mean it's your i'm putting it on i'm I'm putting the onus on me but why because i deserve it this movie doesn't Wait, what's that I mean? Be honest. I because I think this movie is so epic, and I think it will stand the test of time, and I think it deserves the five stars. Then give it five stars. If no, you th- I can't. But why? I can't give it five stars. Uh, probably because it it's such a long film, <laughs> and <laughs> it takes a lot from me to like be like um I. Like I can't just I can't take three three uh, three plus hours out of my day and watch Titanic. Is know? it kind of like reading on a Karenina? You're like I get it. Yes, I get it. Yes, it was like it was it was like actually it was like when you and I read War and Peace and I stopped after 270 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets really good after 600 pages. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> right, I'm sure it does. Um, <laughs> but what about you? Um, I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five stars. I, oh my goodness. I read a really great letterboxed one sentence review of this movie that said, I have now seen this movie twice. I think I'm good. <laughs> and that is my. Ex- you think that's a good review? <laughs> a, a one sentence review? Yes. I think because for my my experience of it is saying. Fast food culture over here. Jeez. I, my, my experience of it is like I was bashed over the head through most of it. 
and rightly so you're supposed to get bashed over the head with with what this movie is and it's just i've had enough after a second viewing because i watched it once in grade school and i watched it once now and it's kind of like a movie like requiem of the dream where it's like i don't need to see that again that was so intense and so traumatizing that i don't want to ever go through that again ryan as somebody who's seen requiem twice there is a difference here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But there, at, at the end of the day, it's just kind of like pick your poison. For me, Titanic is a really traumatic movie, and I don't want to go through that again. And I, I don't understand why people put themselves through not just Titanic multiple times, but other tragic melodramas where I, the, the movie has so much sadness to it. Why do you want to go through that? I know I, why you so want to fu- go through it. You want a well, good no, cry. No, no, I, I didn't. I didn't even cry at this. Mm. This movie. There are far less. There are far less tragic films that I'd cry more often because they're more personal. Mm-hmm. This, I think, the tragedy in this is is personal at times. Um, but I think we are far enough removed from those people, but know just enough about them to feel for them that there is a balance to the tragedy. Where, yeah, I, I mean, you and I. I'm so surprised that you felt this sad during the tragic moments. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I don't know why it surprises me. Maybe I thought you didn't have any any heart <laughs> in you. No, but it, um, it doesn't weigh de- it doesn't weigh me down like it does you. It's it's kind of like at a certain point in the movie, I like looked at James Cameron. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> like like I think he just is like beating you down with the 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 tragedy of it all and it's just that's why i can't like my fours my four and a halfs my five stars are for movies that i think are ones worth celebrating and worth like getting every smell of and just getting all of your like just luxuriating in a movie and you can do that with a dark tragic movie but it's like schindler's list like i don't want to go back to schindler's list the, this movie and Schindler's List are two very different films for me. For me, like it's, the trage- it's the same the, thing. It's just tragedy. <laughs> no, see, see, I think the difference between – this is a very interesting thing. The difference between you and I is what you are seeing is mass scale death yeah. as like this – this heart-wrenching thing. What I see is evil in the human soul is a heart-wrenching thing to me. Yeah. And and so that's why Schindler's List affects me more than this film. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to – my last appreciation for it is like the, the very good truthfulness that James Cameron is saying is how decadence is such a banal evil. It's such a horrific thing for humans to do because at, at the end of the day, we live temporary lives and we shouldn't live in such a way that we beat down others in order to live a good life. And this disaster is a nice comeuppance for a lot of people in a sad, twisted way is because seeing all this decadence being destroyed by nature, it does give me a really twisted good feeling of like good <laughs> well good and it's and it's it's the, the that whole feeling of like old like if you have this much pride like the fall is going to be pretty hard yeah um and cal yeah. kind of represents all of that and yet yeah. he lives he lives but then he does kill himself later so we find out. Wah, wah. um i i think yep you think this movie can be left behind. I think this movie should be watched once a decade. But see and it. I still recommend it. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah, sure. enjoy it as much as others. 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I still, it's still a positive review. I'm not giving it like a two. I'm still saying good movie. No, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You should, you should love it, but I get it. Um, okay. So next week we are watching Legally Blonde. Oh, and we also, I'm sorry. We got a letter. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Okay. So this was sent to us on Facebook by Lisa Ham Greenewalt. Lisa uh, had some problems with our analyzing of the proposal. I don't think she had problems. I think we just missed some things and she <clears> she, <throat> she had things that she didn't miss. Oh, sure, sure. I, I guess she had a problem that we missed some things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a told- distinction. This is oh. this is an omission on our part. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So she says, you totally missed the point of Ryan Reynolds' old girlfriend. She is not some hometown hottie. She represents the road not taken. That was in all caps, like Harry Potter in book five. Um, She also represents what Sandy's character is stealing from him by forcing him to marry her for selfish reasons. Her sweet presence in the proposal is what starts to melt Sandy's ice core and make her see what other people might need. Uh, God, sometimes you guys need an old fogey like me who has been through many relationships to see the forest for the, or the trees from the forest. That said, I adore your podcast. Uh, she also said, also, you keep asking about why he would fall in love with Sandra Bullock. No reason is necessary. Chemistry doesn't ask why. I think you actually made that point. I was the one who said that she didn't necessarily, like, I, I wasn't quite sure why he was falling in love with Sandy. Um, I think he would, I think he would equally be like, I don't know why either. I think I don't think he'd be able to explain it. I think he would sure. just say he could feel it. So I think you're both right in that sense. Thank you, Lisa, for writing in. Appreciate it. Um, good and, points. Good uh, points all across good, the board. Good, good, good points all. Nice points. Um, all right, Ryan. I think that brings us to the end of our podcast. Yes. Um, I just want to say that I would love you so much even if you died tragically hanging out on a door that we could both probably maybe probably fit on i still think it wouldn't quite work out weight wise but i would still love you nonetheless and i just want to say i'll never let go ryan i'll never let go i'll never let go blah 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 And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>